Hello, everybody. It is What the Frick Lab. It is Friday, uh, January 27, 2023. I cannot believe January's already flown by. I'm your host, what? Emily Minshaus. Got my other host with me, Rick Dunn. How are you, Rick? Hey, Emily. I am so good. The end of a, geez, brutal week, but, you know, very happy to be here on Friday nights hanging out. Hello, everybody. Specifically, hello, Nolens. Yes, Nolens 107.7 FM, New Orleans. No, New Orleans. New Orleans. <laughs> I still say New, New Orleans. Orleans. No, I can't help Nolens. Nolens. Nola. We love you, Nola. Yes, uh, we, very much. We appreciate everybody here on 107.7 FM. Thank you how, so much. How are you? Tell us oh, about I'm your, doing great. You've had a busy week as well. Basketball season. It's like that every year, and I love it. I absolutely love it. I'm in Kentucky, everybody, and we are Big Blue Nation, Kentucky Wildcats. Basketball's in our blood, and uh, my son's team is doing fantastic. Next week's the last week, though, so um, we got about a month off, and then he goes to AAU and, and things like that, so big, huge basketball people here. Um, nice job, Jet. Yes, make, and make bourbon sure, too. <laughs> make sure you feed him tonight. Uh, he he's eating me out of house at home. He's thirteen. He's going. It's like all he wants to do is eat. Mm -hmm. So I want to say thank you everybody for tuning in. We are live on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, Twitter, Rumble, Facebook, a couple pages. But uh, please, if you are on Facebook and we're using Streamyard here, um, if you show up as username and no image and things like that, we want to know who we're talking to. If you have any questions for our guests. So please go to StreamYard.com backslash Facebook. Give StreamYard permission to use your name and image so we know who we're talking to. We love you all and we appreciate the support. Please share this out. Make comments. Put a heart on Facebook. That shows up more in the algorithm. And also, if you're watching via YouTube, because we're live on YouTube, uh, please give us a thumbs up and subscribe. And what my son would say is hit that bell. If you are watching via Rumble, woo! Get ready to rumble. <laughs> I have to say that every single time. Um, give us a positive uh, plus sign over there and, and leave some comments there. We appreciate you all so much because we got a really amazing topic tonight, Rick. Um, yes, this is this is a good one. This is going to be an absolutely phenomenal hour. I fell into a vortex of all that it is Chris Shelton this week, and I'm not out of it yet. So I'm excited to kind of tie a lot of, a lot of loose ends together. I'm so excited because we are going to be talking about two major topics this evening. We're going to talk about some holistic healing with Qigong, I, I believe I've said that correctly. And we're also going to talk about the elements of uh, facial readings. I never knew that you could... They always say the windows to your soul is through the eyes and things like that. But I've never thought that you could read somebody back, the, the lip size, their ears, all those things. Before I bring him on, I want, I want to talk about him a little bit because he's also an author. He has an amazing business and everything. De um, he's dedicated in improving the consciousness of all people. Chris's mo motto, motto, not motto, motto is, if I can do it, you can too. Chris Shelton has dedicated his life to boosting health, happiness, and healing transformation over 30 years ago. He doesn't look, he, that can't be. We got to talk about that. Uh, Qigong saved his life. He has helped plenty, plenty of people around the world. He's helped celebrities. He's, he's been on radio and television. He's an author and everything. Let's bring Chris Shelton onto the show. Thank you, Chris, for being part of What the Frick Live. Hey, Chris. Thank you so much for having me. So exciting. Welcome. welcome. 
Welcome. Welcome. If anybody during this broadcast too, if you have any questions whatsoever, please put it in the comment section and I'll bring it up as soon as possible. We always like to get the audience a, a time to ask a question or something. So thank you, uh, Chris, so much for coming on the show. Is there anything I left out? Is there anything else you'd like to tell people about yourself real quickly? Uh Occasional bouts of uh, levitation sometimes now and then. No, I'm just kidding you. I'm <laughs> joking. So, yeah. Chris yeah, that, that would turn yeah. everybody off right away, right? To, you know, what kind of clown is this? No, I think you hit it on the head. You know, I, I got introduced to Qigong over uh, 30 years ago. And, um, and you know, it's it's been something for myself that I got to transform my life with. And then luckily, by the grace of God, I've been able to share this now with other people. And I have a way of talking about it. Uh, that doesn't seem like some kind of weird mystic kind of thing. You know, um, it's a very grounded mm -hmm. approach to looking at holistic medicine and looking how at how negative emotions uh, create inflammation and disease in the body and how can we rectify that. It's all about being alkaline. Or is that how you say it? In alkaline. Alkaline. <laughs> being balanced within your system, your pH levels. Yeah, but what cr creates those imbalances? Uh, sure, we could look at diet. We could look at the processed mm -hmm. foods that are that are out there. Uh, too much sugar. Um, but the one component that we see all the time, well, quite a bit, is that the emotional traumas, whether past or present, when they're not dealt with appropriately, that it shows up as disease. And you know, living here in Los Angeles, you know, I see you know uh, a lot of celebrities, and uh, you know, we see all these beautiful people or, or people that are in the fitness industry, for example, they have these amazing bodies, but yet, and they're, they're eating right and they're sleeping right. But the one part that they're missing is their mental emotional health because they're suffering from chronic artery disease or whatever. And so if they are eating right and sleeping right, what is the one component that they're missing? It's healthy. Can, can I ask Chris, um, it seems like, you know, as Americans, right, the West, you talk about far East medicine and, you know, the practice of utilizing the energy in the body. Can you give us a, an, like an overview of what um, the, the Chinese or the Eastern principles are um, just surrounding medicine okay. and how they differ from the West? I think that would be something real briefly to get kind of set the stage. And then I'm extremely interested to hear about how you got specifically into this world doing what you're doing now. Yes. Yeah. So let's take a look at Qi and Qigong. So what is Qi? Qi is the life force energy that emanates through all things. Everything in your environment has a certain level of consciousness. And I know this seems hard to believe. Even the chair you're sitting on has a certain level of consciousness. Now let's get into more quantum physics and such. So energy is this life force uh, thing that emanates through all things, seen or unseen. For example, the air that you're breathing is a form of energy. And so when people have a hard time understanding, well, what is chi? I don't have chi. Uh, just think of it in terms of, of blood or fluids inside your body. Your blood is your chi, is your energy. In fact, according to this ancient philosophy, both are contained together, meaning the blood contains the chi and the chi moves the blood around the body, right? So if you have a hard time wrapping your mind about it, think about your heart. How does your heart beat? Your heart needs energy to beat. How does your stomach digest? Your stomach needs energy to digest. And this is something that's actually traceable scientifically inside the body. Now, gong, when we look at qi gong, gong is the skill. Like when you hear of gong fu, that's skill with the fist. So in this case here, the word qi gong together is harnessing this life force energy, in this case, to improve our mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual well-being. 
because all three are equally as important. So when we look at this, you know, I would say that would be the big uh, difference from uh, East and West. But, you know, when you dive in deeper, there's actually so many parallels that actually intertwine. So you being American and everything, uh, Chris, how did you get introduced to the, these practices? Was there a Chinese master or someone that influenced you or how did, how did you get involved? Uh, yeah, Yang Kang Cook. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> oh, I'm uh, too serious. Okay. I just played with you, though. No. Uh, you know, I wrote his name down here on my book. <laughs> you know, so so for me, what happened was was that I grew up in a dysfunctional home. Uh, there was neglect, abuse, um, not abuse all the time. I didn't get punched in the face all the time, but periodically, especially if I miss a, a mm -hmm. tackle playing football or whatever, you know. Um, so I had to grow up really quickly. Uh, my uh, there's violence inside the home, those kinds of things. And so when my parents finally, think I got a divorce when I was 11, uh, you know, my second cousin moved in and, uh, he was a lot older than I was. And, uh, you know, he rode, rode with some bike clubs and stuff like that. So I started doing, uh, speed balls, which is heroin and Coke. Um, I didn't shoot it. I snorted it. Uh, but I always also too had a high ambition. I had a high drive for some reason. I think part of it is because my older half-brother was in trouble with the law all the time. You know, you get, go to juvie, then they send him to the, um, to, you know, to the boys' ranch, then he escaped from the boys' ranch and send him to CYA. So I knew how to stay just one step ahead of the law for the most part, just watching him. And I didn't want to be like him. And uh, he ended up becoming very successful later on in life. But during that time, he had dropped out of high school and I didn't want to be that person. And so, yeah, so I was doing drugs um, and uh, I would say there wasn't too many days that I was not on something or another. And then finally, right before my senior year in high school, I had my first heart attack from a meth overdose. Wow. And um, this, uh, when they had got me to the ER, I overheard the doctor say, you know, to my father outside the curtain, he said, you know, Mr. Shelton, um, your son got a hold of some bad stuff. And the only reason why he survived this, he should have died, but the only reason why he survived it is because of his age. And I was, you know, I'd wrestled and stuff like that, you know, so I was, um, I was still in okay shape. And, uh, and so I overheard his doctor say this and, you know, as any teenager, you know, I thought to myself, well, you know, I got a, I've gotten hold of some bunk stuff before, but not anything who's that's done this to me. So a few months later I used again and I had another heart attack. This one was less severe. Uh, but because of the shame surrounding the addiction, I was just going to die that day. Um, I didn't call 911. And luckily, I pulled through. Cardiologist did confirm that there was another minor heart attack. And he told me the truth. He said, you know, Chris, you just might not wake up one day. We just don't know what kind of damage that you've done to yourself. Now, mind you, I also, during this time period, had severe digestive issues. Um, I went through everything through Western medicine, upper GI, lower GI, um, if I ate anything with any kind of fat, uh, I was, you know, vomiting or in a fetal position a couple hours later or waking up at two or three o'clock in the morning. Uh, if I ate any kind of raw salad, same thing. And they couldn't figure out what was up. I had severe sinusitis. I had severe allergies and I lived on all kinds of antibiotics and over-the-counter medications. So I had all this stuff going on too. So fast forward after the second heart attack, I realized like, oh shoot, I'm going to end up dead in prison or both. And uh, so what I did was, was that I put myself into Taekwondo to change my path. And I started competing right away. 
and uh, when I got my yellow belt in uh, full contact. And then one night early on in this early career, I was accidentally kicked in the back and ended up with a devastating back injury where doctors wanted to do back surgery because they said, Chris, you might not, if you move the wrong way, you might not walk again or you might not, things you take for granted, like be able to have sex again, right? And so luckily I saw another doctor and she had a therapist working for her. He was a martial artist. And, you know, he started talking to me about chi. Well, what, I'm like 19 or 20 years old now. I was like, yeah, right. The closest to chi I'm going to get is like chi zits and chi whiz because <laughs> there's no such thing as chi, you know. And uh, <laughs> so he started talking to me about these classes. And back then, this is over 30 years ago, nobody was talking about qigong here in the U.S. Very few. I mean, Bruce Lee had brought kung fu really to the West Coast yeah. and, and to the world, you know. And Tai Chi is a Tai Chi is a form of Kung Fu and such. So maybe some people were dabbling in and, uh, you know, Wing Chun and Tai Chi, but nobody was really talking about Qigong. So anyways, I started taking these classes and there's only a couple other women in these classes. And these women were talking about their experiences. And I thought I was a Qi dud because I wasn't feeling anything at first. And uh, but one thing I did notice, though, is after about six months of doing these practices daily, because mind you, doctors are saying that, Chris, you might not walk again. Right. Six months, all of a sudden the realization, wow, when did I stop living on the antibiotics? When did I stop living on the Sudafed, the Tums, and those types of things? And I couldn't tell you the exact pinpoint date, but it was all of a sudden the realization that something had changed. And I thought to myself, if a simple, specific meditation and specific movement could do this to my body, there must be something to the medicine. And that's when I dove in deeper to qigong and uh, then also classical chinese medicine so what was that chris what was that that you tapped into what was that specific was it a a vibration level was that you know for me it was just a realization that my health was improving that was the realization i mean i I could start to feel different things energetically in the body like heat and you know vibration or whatever but the real transformation for me was that uh uh was seeing my health improve. And now in hindsight, after studying Chinese medicine, I recognize that all that, um, that st- those stomach issues, for example, digestive issues, went back to my childhood trauma because I was very angry oh, okay. back then. I was really an angry person. And people would be like, Chris, you're angry. I'd be like, oh, screw you, you're angry. Actually, I'd say something else. But, um, and, and what I realized after seeing so many patients over the years and then also studying these arts that, uh, that the anger, the repressed anger and rage that I had inside was affecting my liver, liver, my nervous system, which then was causing the stomach issues, you know? So for me, it was more of this idea of this realization, like, wow, my life has improved, you know? And then doctors were saying at the time, they said, well, uh, you know, Chris might not be able to walk again. And I was improving then, well, Chris will walk. Then it was, well, Chris will walk, but he'll never train again. And it was like, okay, well, Chris will train. Then it was, well, Chris will never fight again. And I did my last amateur uh, kickboxing smoker matches under Kung Lee's fight team at age 40. And also my last wow. IG uh, Kung Fu uh, matches at age 40 as, as well, too. Now, I have a question, too, because I, I live in the number one area of um, addiction in the United mm. States, as so is claimed. Huntington, West Virginia is 20 minutes from me. They call it the overdose capital the, of the nation. Wow. Um, if you watch the documentary on Netflix, heroin and the brown bag ladies on there, they go to my church. Like we are in the midst of addiction. Mm. How long was it 
that you received healing when you stopped being addicted to, to the drugs and things that you used to use? Did you quit that cold turkey and then start this Qigong and work your way up? Or how did how did this happen? Yeah, so the getting into the Taekwondo gave me discipline, right? It gave me discipline. And, you know, in, in any kind of sport, uh, especially combat sports, well, any kind of sport, but combat sports, you can be using and training and sparring or go out on the mat and wrestling. You know, it just, it doesn't, uh, you know, you don't have your fullest uh, capability. So for me, it was the discipline of the arts, um, of martial arts. And there's obviously a level, there is a, there is an order inside the inside the dojo right and there's a natural order to things which i think has been lost in society and this is part of the dysfunction that we're seeing in society right now but anyways i think it was that was the main thing that really started to uh uh wake me up <clears throat> and um and then i saw that you know that this kind of discipline then after the back injury again uh qigong is not as sexy as you know doing i don't know uh, yoga or weightlifting, you know, or playing basketball, right? Because um, there's simple, slow movements that anybody could do or most anybody could do. But, you know, there's something about the calming effect, uh, you know, that was definitely manifesting when I was doing these practices. And, um, and so the more that I did it, then more that I saw that, like, hey, like, things are getting really good. Like, because as things started to transform internally, guess what? Your outside world starts to starts to change mm -hmm. so i think that's part of the things that people so, don't understand I'm, I'm gonna let rick hold on rick i have one more question or I, if i don't ask i'll forget and i'll let rick, you follow up so how long were you clean in between or were you becoming clean while you were practicing these new techniques um i was becoming clean but it's not okay. to say that throughout the years i you know that's the thing about addiction it's a disease right it it's is i agree with you on that it's not a it's not a willpower thing, you know. Uh, it turns into a disease, I think, over time. It's a choice time, in the yep. beginning. Over time, it turns into a disease. Yeah. So, um, so it, you know, I, I would say that those ad addictive tendencies still were there. But, but for me, what it was was that um, I was able to invest awesome. into these arts. And Qigong, the foundation of the style of Qigong that I'm teaching that I learned back then, is that negative emotions show up as disease. And when we look at addiction, mm -hmm. resentments are the number one thing that will cause people to relapse. And with these other emotions, when they're not expressed appropriately, those will tend to have somebody start using. And whether it's alcohol, meth, or food, you know, people want to numb themselves. And it's so accessible, especially alcohol is so accessible, right? Um, you know, so when we look at addiction itself, you know, I think that for me, what happened was, was that uh, I was feeling better. I was scared of dying. That's what it took for me. I was scared of dying. And uh, so I didn't want, I didn't want to use. And then I saw, like I said, as my internal health started to change, all these, you know, great things started to manifest on the, awesome. on the outside, which seems like it's separate, but it's not. It's awesome. Go ahead, Rick. I'm sorry. So I'm extremely interested in your injury recovery using Qigong um, as the years went by. So for me, I, geez, it's been a while now, but 2016, I got minorly injured, lower back injury, same injury that every, you know, everybody at some point deals with. 
but mine just would not, I could not recover. And every so often I would just have these muscle spasm and I'd be hunched over and I just, I couldn't move. I saw every expert, every, you name it, New York city, um, every ologist, you know, imaginable at least 20, 25 over years. And so at some point I just got so sick and tired of just not getting better. I just said, screw it. You know, I'm just going to just leave it alone. And I think it was for me, we talk about the energy and in the positive nature of healing when I let it go. And I just said, I'm not going to try to make this better. I'm not going to willpower this better. It just, man, you know, it just started, Hey, it's been a while since my back's hurt. Like I'm moving smoothly and Hey, I'm walking and now I'm at the gym and I'm back. And it was just something that I didn't notice when I finally was healed, but it just suddenly happened. And it was running away from the doctors and the experts and all the people that tell you in your scenario, was it, I guess my real question is how often do you have to deal with that energy in an injury these days? Is it something you've completely healed your body of something that they told you that you would never bounce back from? Well, of course. Yeah. They say that it's something uh, that you won't bounce back from and you can. In fact, my new book that's coming out later on this year is on how to fix back pain yourself uh, because of all the diseases wow. that I see, um, back issues, cervical issues. And we'll talk about that all the way down to the lower lumbar is not, probably one of the number one diseases that I see. And the reason why I call it a disease is because anytime there's any kind of discord or dysfunction inside the body, that, that's creating an imbalance, that is a disease. So when we look at, like I talk about in my book about um, how different emotions will attack different areas of the spine. And when you look at lower back issues, you know, back in the 70s when I was a kid, the only people who got back issue pain was couch potatoes and people that were obese. Uh, nowadays, it does not matter. Um, you know, uh, talk about basketball. So um, they were flying me out uh, to Skokie, Illinois. Um, to see these young basketball players that had a chance to go to college and play for them, possibly for the NBA. And doctors were diag diagnosing them with uh, lumbar stenosis and saying that they'll never play ball again and I'll get them up and running within 15 minutes. And so one of the times flying back from Illinois, I was thinking to myself, wow, these young athletes, what's going on? Because nowadays it doesn't discriminate whether you're obese or not, whether you're young or old. Of whether you're fit or not. I mean, sure, if you have extra weight, that could add some issues, but it's not discriminating anymore. And what I realized is that, you know, when God developed our bodies, our sympathetic nervous system, the part of the nervous system, which is our fight or flight, you know, that nervous system hundreds or thousands of years ago was de developed for like if a bear was chasing you, your house is on fire, you had to get out of Dodge, you know, but Nowadays, that sympathetic nervous system does not know the difference between being chased by a bear, running late for employment, applying for college, uh, you know, uh, uh, taking the SATs and all those kinds of things. It's being triggered. And now with social media, because we're on stuff and we're seeing all the stimuli, this further affects this, this part of the nervous system. And it attacks, it attacks the psoas muscle, which is the main muscle deep in your body that connects from the lower lumbar all the way up to your thoracic spine. I mean, this thing is massive. It's about the size of your fist. And it attaches to the inner part of the femur on the legs, wraps around the waist of that low back all the way up to the mid-back. And guess what? This is your protection muscle. This is why when people have lower back pain, they walk with a hunch. Why? Because that muscle's pulling them forward. That psoas muscle is there for if somebody was attacking you to allow you to curl up into a ball right away. 
you don't do a back bend because then all your delicate organs would be exposed. So I realized like, well, wow, this is because of the amount of stress that's going on. And so now, unfortunately, instead of getting to the root of the issue, well, what is the stress going on in your life, right? Instead, no, let's give you a cortisone shot. Let's fuse L4, L5, you know, so. Yeah, which is the main, I think the main distinction between Western and Eastern medicine is the difference between treating the symptom versus treating what, you know, what's actually the pain itself. Yeah. And so in my clinical practice, for example, and the main thing is self-empowerment. How can I help empower you to, number one, understand your body, but then give you the tools necessary to be able to transform the disease process and ultimately live the life that you're supposed to live? Now, what what about, okay, what about car wrecks and things with people? Because I was T-boned by an Ashland City bus that absolutely ruined my cervical neck and my thoracic, actually shifted my spine over. I went to physical therapy for two years. We've got it back. I still have issues with that. Like what, what if, if it's not a gradual issue or, or like a tragic accident like that, what, how can people, cause I still have problems, not all the time. Yeah. But... Mm -hmm. That's a, that's a great question. Yeah. Uh, Rick, did you want to add to it or? No, I was just saying along that. So Chris just uh, posted um, the majority of my spine surgery patients rarely do better, which I've heard so long that, you know, we start digging in oh, the spine it and it, it absolutely, mm -hmm. you know, can cause devastating effects, putting mm -hmm. you in a worse situation than when you started. So mm -hmm. luckily I, I had advice, you know, Hey, maybe you should consider this if you want to get better. And I was like, no, I'm not dealing with that. So luckily I stayed away from it. So, um, along those lines, how did you ever think about getting surgery to relieve your your pain? Uh, for for me, yeah. Um, uh, no, because what started to happen was was that uh, the work that uh, Dr. Nancy Bergman was doing uh, mm -hmm. was alleviating because she was not. Um, after, you know, well, let's give you cortisone shots and let's, you know, let's, uh, have you bedridden and stuff like that. You know, there's, you know, active things that she actually did. So for myself, no, okay. but, um, but to go back to answer your, your question, um, as far as the car accident goes now, what's interesting is, is that even if the car accident happened and you had, uh, something happened to your spine, in this case, the cervical spine. There, I bet you three to one, there's still emotional situations yeah, or issues yes. surrounding that accident. And that's why the pain continues. And let's just talk about that cervical spine for a mm -hmm. second. So one of my friends and clients down here, um, his name is Mike Kroger. He's the guitarist for Nickelback, the rock and roll band. Uh, years ago, he flew up because we're from the San Francisco <laughs> Bay Area originally. And, um, and uh, so or people down here in L.A. were saying... You know, you need to go see Chris Shelton. Actually, Lisa from the TV show uh, Celebrity Sweat, you need to go see Chris Shelton before you have that cervical fusion, you know, and stuff. And so anyways, um, and, and I'm telling this story because he actually did a, um, a testimonial for me on YouTube. So you guys could check it out for the TV show Celebrity awesome. Sweat. Anyways, so when he flew in, uh, I said to Mike, like I said to everybody else, I said, okay, I believe it's two or three years ago. I said, all right, two years ago, before the neck pain started showing up, I said, what was emotionally going on in your life? 
And he says, like with most people, but in his case, because he's a rock and roll star, you know, he's like, oh, you know, I think the stress of being on tour and, or, you know, I think the, from the way I hold my guitar on stage. And then, you know, he thought about it. And then he said, um, he said, you know what? He said, uh, my horse died. And uh, about two weeks before this pain showed up, my horse died. And so he did what everybody else does, took care of business and went back out on tour. And then his body said to him one day, he said, okay, you think like that didn't hurt you, but guess what? It did. And so what it does is it turns into what we call first as channel pathology. Then that pathology shows up into a real pathology that you could actually see on an x-ray. Like in his case here, you can see uh, cervical arthritis forming. And on the... Um, on the YouTube testimonial that he gave for Celebrity Sweat, he said, I got rid of his neck pain in 30 minutes. And actually what I did was, was that I helped to facilitate his body to start to heal. And that recognition that, that yeah, that, you know, uh, emotions that obstruct the heart um, will create neck pain. And if that neck pain is not dealt oh with, it, wow. then it turns into something greater. And so, so yeah, so in fact, what's that? That makes a lot of sense now because it does not affect me until I have that stress or anxiety that affects not necessarily my brain. You would think that would hurt because I'd have migraines or something, but that makes yeah. a lot of sense, Chris. Yeah. But our consciousness though is in our heart. You know, science has been trying to, to find our consciousness for a long time for, you know, hundreds of years. And, uh, um, and, you know, the consciousness is not here in the brain. And, and you know, what's interesting is that I don't know if who, you know who Eckhart Tolle is and Deepak Chopra, the physician. Um, you know, we were at a, uh, at a talk of theirs about four years ago here at the Shrine Auditorium in L.A. And uh, there was a little table between the both of them and there's a little uh, vase with a flower in it. And Deepak Chopra said to the sold out audience, he says, does everybody see the rose in the vase? Everybody, sure enough, nodded or said yes. He said, all right, I want you to look at the rose. Then what I want you to do is I want you to close your eyes. So everybody close their eyes. And he said, okay, can everybody with your eyes closed, can you see the rose? So of course, everybody said, yes, right? He said, now open up your eyes. He said, nowhere inside your brain is a rose. So what does that mean? That means that your brain is a reflection of your reality. This is where it's at here, right here in the heart. And the heart, they say, is the emperor or empress of the body. It will dictate how much of an emotion will be expressed or suppressed. And depending on what typology you are. I'm a mess, Chris. I'm just going to tell you, I'm a mess. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Pisces. I'm a water sign. I'm a mess. I'm a okay? mess. <laughs> there's still hope. That's a great thing. I believe that there's still hope for, all, for, for everybody. He's looking at my face right now and he's like, yeah, I know. I can tell already. <laughs> Chris, in some of your stuff, you talk a lot about the connection, right? Where, and to go on, it's like, you know, the heart's connected to the consciousness, it's connected to the neck, but there's some things you go, you go deep into organs that it's like, oh, the, the pancreas, you know, affects this and it's, this is your real problem. It's not here. It's in the pancreas or in the kidneys. Can you give me some common themes that you see in problems in people that, that oh. are related to some very far off cause that you would never associate the two or that we wouldn't? Well, yeah, so we see a number of issues like colitis, Crohn's disease, uh, acid reflux, you know, those types of conditions, all kinds of types of digestive issues. Um, it comes back to a liver dysfunction. 
Um, and the reason why is because the liver is affected by the emotions of anger, frustration, rage, resentment, old anger, hatred. So if you're on social media and, and you're mad at something going on in the world or in, in the U.S. or whatever, and you're developing this resentment, guess what? It's going to attack the liver. It's going to affect the blood of the liver and it's going to impair the function. Now, that liver has over 800 functions inside the human body. Over 800 migraines. You talked about migraines, Emily. Migraines, oh, yeah. nine times out of 10, unless it's a dehydration issue with a kidney issue or something, nine times out of 10 are, are, are liver dysfunctions. Depression. When a patient comes in for depression, I don't treat this. I treat the liver, which affects the heart, which then affects the mind. Ligament disorders. So TMJ, if you grind your teeth at night because your liver controls your, your ligaments and your tendons. You know, some people have such uh, built-up anger or whatever that they clench, clench their fists at night because that liver contracts those ligaments. Think about it. If the anger is the emotion that attacks the liver, if you're going to get in a fight, most people make a fist, right? That, that it contracts, right? You contract. So we're talking menstrual irregularities. I'm talking clotting, uh, memorrhagia, uh, excessive bleeding. So whether you have uh, fibroids or not, um, uh, pain or moodiness, PMS symptoms. In Chinese medicine, PMS is considered a disease because you should not be having it. And if you're seeing young women, young girls that are having these issues, instead of automatically putting them on a birth control pill, why don't you talk to them and get them in therapy and talk to all units of the family structure to see really what's going on? Can this be generational? Sure, but your DNA, it can be generational, but it scientifically is proven that if your DNA wants to be healthy, what does that mean? That means even if you have a history of migraines or menstrual irregularities or depression, if you change your environment, change your diet, and change how you emotionally react to stimuli, you will not get the disease. Wow. I believe that. So it's we've, proven. we've talked about, you know, the, I come to you and, and I have something, you know, I need to, what, what do I need to do to my liver to unclench my fist or to get that relief? How does that, what does that look like? Okay. So, uh, well, let's say in, in clinical practice, then what we do is we do certain techniques uh, based on the old style of acupuncture to get the liver blood and chi moving. I will specifically hit points on the body that are connected to the emotional component of the liver. But this is where the practice of Qigong comes in. See, because when I teach the liver movement, for example, like I have on the YouTube page and stuff like that, um, when I'm teaching that liver movement, what I'm doing is I'm telling my students, all right, as you're doing this movement, don't just do it. Don't just do the movement. I want you to think of something that's created anger or hatred for you or resentment for you. I want you to feel it. Who's involved? What's involved? And as you inhale, pulling the breath into the liver, you can imagine a green cloud filling up into that right side of the body because the color green uh, benefits the liver and the gallbladder. And then as you exhale and do the movement itself, this is where you get the release. And these movements are thousands of years old. It's not something I was sitting on the toilet one day and said, oh, if I move like this, it's going to cleanse the liver. You know, uh, <laughs> it's not like that. So, so unlike conventional therapy, and I had been through, when I first got off of drugs, I'd been through conventional therapy because I was suicidal. That's the one part I... I forgot to say is when I first got off of drugs, my mom walked in on me one night with a 22 rifle and make my chin. And luckily I didn't pull the trigger, but um, I know that when, uh, when I went to the psychiatry appointments that uh, 
you know, it's on the meds. Sometimes I would leave and it's like they picked the scab off, but I felt worse than I came in. So the difference with this is that I'm telling or I'm asking you, yes, let's pick off the scab. Let's revisit. Let's pull in who was involved, what was involved, were there any sounds, any smells. Feel it as though it's just happened. Then as you do the movement and or the healing sound for the liver, this is how you release the vibration inside the body. Explain healing sound. So the most common healing sound that I give when I give a talk to, let's say, trauma nurses and doctors. Hertz levels. Is, are you talking about Hertz levels with this? Uh, no, I'm talking sound? about... Well, there are Hertz levels, but is... I'm talking about a sound that you actually make yourself. Okay. All right. So, okay. so let's use a heart, for example. So the healing sound for the heart is ha. 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 Yeah, H-A-A. So that's that's the healing sound, right? And so if you think about it, when uh, one of the negative emotions that attacks a heart is the emotions of abandonment, loneliness, lack of joy, overexcitation, and mania also affect the heart. If you have a laughing attack at something, what is the first thing you do? You go, ah, right? Or if you lost a loved one or you're grieving a pet running away, what do you do? You will sigh. You hear the person sigh a lot or or um, they will yawn a lot. And in, or, and in some situations, they will develop chronic hiccups. So the healing sound, just like if you're oh, sighing over the loss of something, that's the sound. So what you do is, to, and this is one of my favorite practices to teach, is that you focus on the situation, whether it's anxiety or sadness or you're anxious about something. It could be any of the emotions. Because again, all the emotions go through the heart first and then go and attack specific organs. You focus on it, you inhale, imagine the pink cloud filling up into the heart as you exhale. Imagine that leaving like a dark cloud going several feet away from the body and deep in the ground. And you do that over and over again. Now, if you're in public, uh, you do it underneath your breath. So instead of you suppressing it, which creates disease, heart palpitations, angina pectoris. We'll see uh, AFib uh, and those right. types of conditions. Instead of you suppressing which creates disease, you release it right there on the spot. And you can take it with you anywhere. And it's free. And you don't need a special, special mat or special yoga clothing. You don't need nothing. You can take it with you anywhere. And it's a tool inside your tool belt to help to clear this out. Now, okay, Hedrick. So uh, very briefly, because I know we got to get on to the next topic. Yeah, I was. Really one thing, right? If, if there was okay. one piece of, not advice, but really when you look at someone, you can just tell like the, the most diagnosable, obvious condition that could be treated. Is there something that's just over, you know, much more significant that you can tell just by looking at somebody that we can correct simple? If we just change this one thing, man, we could be so much healthier. So I'm going to say that any type of inflammatory disease um, or chronic pain inside the body, if you take a look honestly and do an inventory on your mental, emotional state, what's really going on with you? Hmm. Because when I read a person's face when they come in uh, for uh, in Chinese face reading for diagnosis to help me assess what's going on with the person, like I tell people, my job is not to force feed you that you still have some daddy issues or something like that. My job is to present to you the opportunity to recognize that those daddy issues still exist. Okay. Well, that just got yeah. deep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
and, and that's what we're going to go into our next topic because these elements or these illnesses that people carry, they also carry in their face. And, 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 you know, you have lines or you have eyebrows, your ears, your nostrils, even oh. your mouth, your bottom lip, your top lip, everything is all in yeah. your face. So pay attention. How- this subject is so exciting and it so is. damn interesting. I, okay. Sorry. I it's okay. Out. So it's just Qi, Qigong leads to, is, is that the practice that leads to facial readings too, or is this totally separate? connected because even though I'm talking about uh, Qigong in terms of internal organ functions and dysfunctions, there's only one Qi and that's God, right? But once it's in the body, then it has a different function based upon what it does. Now, you're right because the Qigong is one aspect, but then it leads into Chinese face reading, which is an ancient art because thousands of years ago, Chinese doctors didn't think it was appropriate to touch women to diagnose them. So they had to come up with a system Uh, to allow them to diagnose and assess without touching them. And throughout thousands of years of study on the human organism, they realized that different parts of the face connect to different internal organs of the body. So going back to the eyes, for example, or the brow bone and eyebrows, for example, that connects to your liver. Excuse me. And you would um, think that would connect to your heart. Uh, your, yes, eyes. Your, eye, your eyes do too. So that's okay. a, it's a double-edged sword. So the eyes themselves, as far as the glistening of the eyes, the corners of the the corners of the eyes, that's related to the heart. But when you look at the eye itself, it's related to liver the, and then especially the brow bone and eyebrows. Now your chin, your plethrum, which is or the philtrum, which is right underneath mm-hmm. the nose, and your ears and the uh, upper part of the cheek, that relates to your kidneys. Okay, so your lips, uh, the fleshiness and the jowls of the face and such that will connect to your spleen. And then your lungs, you know, for example, your nose. But like the tip of your nose is connected to the heart. So the heart on the face, uh, uh, when we see it, is the tips and corners. Think about it. When fire burns something, it burns to the tips of things. Like, you know, you think about, I don't know, getting too close to the campfire and then, you know, you're, you catch your hair on fire. It burns the tips of things, right? Um, so we could tell if somebody's had a broken heart, for example, by a little line that bisects the nose. And we could tell, like, oh, yes, yes, you could tell if, yeah, and I'll tell when, so when a patient comes in, if I see that line, and for a lot of times, it's very faint, and if I see that line, I know that they still have a broken heart, and Tessus, if you see this line bisecting the nose, you don't have to be some kind of Qigong master, so simple, ask the person, oh, did you, or um, you have a broken heart that still hasn't mended, who is that about, oh, it could be, oh, my dad left when I was four, or, oh, yeah, I just... So work. if it does get mended, does that line eventually fade off? It or? fades away. So they actually will say the different lines uh, will actually will, will start to go away when you deal with the emotional trauma. Now, there's some lines that we want to see. For example, the lines on the forehead, we want to see those lines. And the reason why is I because... One big one. I got one, one, big, one. one big one. The reason why is because... So that <laughs> That tells us if the person's learned from the situation or not. Now, if you run into somebody that has all these like little lines on their forehead that don't connect, they'll, if you listen to them talk, they'll be like, why do I keep on meeting the same guy? Or why do I keep on getting caught up with the same girl? I say the same thing, but I got one big line, Chris. Mm. <laughs> one big line. One That's big all line. I have. Mm-hmm. So whatever that circumstance was, life circumstances mean that you've learned from it. People that don't learn from their life circumstances, they won't have that line that connects all the way across. 
in, Rick, in our, let me see your forehead. I'm learning. Yeah, well, you have, hey, yeah, you have one big one, uh, Rick, but you, you're going through a situation right now that you're learning right now. Yep. Oh, God. damn, that was good. That hit home. Thanks, thanks, pointed out. Um, so, in, in a, a society where we've just, you know, become so consumed with changing things, everything we've spoken about, people change. Oh, your your cheekbones say something about you. Well, you can change them. Your nose says something about you. You can change it. How does that affect um, your your emotions, your energy? Give me the deets on that. Okay, so I'm going to use Michael Jackson for example. Oh, plastic surgery. Yes. Now okay. Botox. Now Botox. If we're just talking Botox, they say that the Botox that it breaks down, and that's why those lines come back. But in my world, if you don't fix the emotional trauma underlying that caused those lines to begin with, guess what? Those lines will come back. Now, if you actually go in and physically uh, cut away things on your face or whatever, so our nose, for example, like I said, it connects to our lungs. It tells us our stamina, our staying power. Um, you can see people with big noses. They tend to be in powerful positions or they could be really big noses and fleshy uh, alley eyes on the side. They could be hedonists, you know, they, you know, especially um, the wider the nose is, the fleshier the nose is. So this is power. Now, if you start to actually, um, uh, if you start to cut that away, then what will happen is, is that that will create disease. I think it or do you have internet? So um, can you tell us about One's big, full lips with distinct lines at the bottom? What, is, what does that mean about her? So the, the lines on the lips, the full lips, is that she's uh, giving, right? Uh, passionate. Um, and then uh, the lines actually means that, in the deeper the, the lines are, it means that she laughs easily at things. So so she probably uh, laugh at like uh, Benny Hill, you know, like slapstick comedy, like airplane, you know, those kinds of things back in the day. Napoleon uh, Dynamite. You know. <laughs> yeah. Napoleon Dynamite. Slapstick. Napoleon Dynamite, right. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's what that means. And um, uh, when you see the lines, you mean lines in the lips? Yeah, like, the lines in the lips. So the deeper the line mm -hmm. is, especially in the middle here, in the middle more. of the bottom lip. That tells us that uh, that person laughs at easily at, at things. You know, people with less lines, and what will happen is, is that that will actually show us that uh, you know maybe they're not they're not you know don't take you know they don't have such a, a lighthearted sense a sense of humor or whatever. Now, have you seen you know what they call smoker lines around the lips? Uh, you know, you'll see people that uh, don't smoke that develop those lines. You know what that means? That What's means that because that, that runs that my family. That means that that person has over nurtured other people and hasn't gotten that nurturing in return. Oh my God. So if you think about it, when you smoke, whether it's healthy it makes or not, me tear up. Yeah. 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 Because you start to see how the stuff resonates, correct? And, and when a person smokes, even though it might not be healthy, they're doing that to, to give themselves some kind of nurturing, right? So if you're over nurturing somebody, we could tell that. And what does that do? Why is that important to know? Because now we know that your spleen and your pancreas is weak. Now so listen, my mom just said this yesterday. I'm not joking. We went to my son's basketball. We were talking about getting old because she gave me readers for the first time. I posted about it on my Facebook because I'm like at that age. And I'm like, yes, this works. And she says, the worst thing that I don't like getting that I'm older now is these lines above my lips here because it looks like I'm a smoker. And she, yeah. and You're just she nurturing, mom. 
Yeah, but it's not. And but that runs in my family. Her sisters had that, and my grandmother had that. Like I come from a very loving family, though. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So, but the nurturing, even though it comes across loving for her, though, it's actually injuring her, and she doesn't realize that it's injuring her. Why is that? Because what happens is, is that when people give so much of themselves, it exhausts their chi, in particular, their stomach chi. The energy of the stomach. Oh, she's got so many stomach problems. See, see, yeah. And going back to Michael Jackson, I thought uh, my internet was a little bit shaky there. You know, uh, the big nose when you when you, he started to shrink it as he got older, right? And he started to to lose his power the more that that nose got smaller and smaller. So when you see that, you could also talk about the nose too. You could also tell how giving a person is by looking at the size of their nostrils. People with uh, big nostrils. Uh, tend to be more giving with their energy and their money. How do you? How do you? How do, you, how do, you how do I shrink them? Is, uh, <laughs> Start being stingy. Start being stingy. Uh, okay. I got a. I got a question. Um, I, something I've always been slightly self-conscious about. I feel like I have a giant forehead. Um, it's just always been one of those things. So I don't it know. Looks what normal that, to me. It's just. It's whatever. You know. So is that is the size of things like how? So tell me, so if I think I have a big forehead, what does that say about my personality? Well, the, the type of, you have a, a nice rounded forehead. So you're a thinker. You're definitely a thinker. Whereas mm -hmm. Emily, Emily is more of a practical person. You can tell that by, because her okay. zone, her, for, her forehead zone is big, but her, the distance between her uh, eyebrows and the base of her nose is longer. So different mm -hmm. zones of the face. So when we go from the eyebrows to the head or to the, to the hairline, right? That means if that area zone of the face is bigger, that means that that person thinks a lot. If it goes from the brow bone or the eyebrows to the base of the nose, if that area is longer, that means that that person is more practical. And then if it goes from the base of the nose to the chin, if that area is bigger, then that person makes decisions based upon their gut. So now grant you, I'm, I'm giving well, you- same i feel like i'm about the same you're pretty close you're pretty close but your practical part is is you're pretty much a pretty practical person um so, i feel like emily has a really small mouth um does that mean anything in particular thanks rick i'm so just putting somebody, it. like we can't tell by your mouth because you got a bush <laughs> yeah you know <laughs> you, you know what's funny i'm, I'm going to be careful with that one right now because I'll, I'll tell you why so about four years ago, I was given a talk to uh, trauma nurses and doctors from three major hospitals out of the San Francisco area. And uh, uh, the, 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 the keynote speaker before me was a top brain surgeon from Stanford talking about brain traumas and hematomas. I was like, oh, man, how am I going to compare to this guy talking about this stuff? And what I was talking, going up to talk about was lines on the face that now Western medicine is starting to show as like heart disease or diabetes, et cetera. Oh, wow. So anyways, uh, sure enough, I had some people with our, some physicians with their arms crossed, like, who is this quack, you know? So to sell, to sell the talk, they actually called up a couple of the nurses and at the very end, one of the doctors came up and she punched me in the shoulder. She goes, Chris, you have to have a filter on your mouth, man. Because what happened was, was that one of the nurses, trauma nurses came up and I said, well, I said, you're awfully a giving individual. I said, hence the reason why you work trauma. But I said, you're awfully cruel to your husband. And the whole audience would, oh, and women, the other nurses and doctors were like, what? So they started laughing. And I said, well, not so much in person. But I said, behind closed doors, you really give it wow. to them. <laughs> oh, wow. So I'm careful about what I say in public uh, because uh, everything, and you know what it is? It's not that they're negative things. We all have positive things that we're born with. 
And then we have things that just need a little bit of work. Is Can you look at me and see something that you think I should work on? I see a uh, lot. I'm just <laughs> kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. You're, uh, you know, the, I would say the main thing is, is that uh, the old anger, you hold on to it more than what you express it. Oh, my God. Okay, since you Whoa, get, I, I, home. I get nervous yes. about this. I stuff, do. Chris. Yes, I. I get I, nervous I, about it. I even talked to Rick before we before you signed on, and I'm like, I don't know about this. One thing about me that I could work on, maybe possibly. Uh, uh, one thing that um, you've had some loss in your life, and you have to get to that grief and that loss, and whether it's disappointment or whether it's shame, whether it's guilt. Um, and so what I would do is I'd tap into that and Qigong, the style of Qigong that I teach is a great way because, you know, grief gets stuck in the lungs and affects the lungs and, um, it affects the heart too, obviously, cause they're so intertwined. So those losses, whatever those losses were, um, or disappointment. Not physical loss, like family. That's same. It's still loss. Yep. Still a lot. There's been a lot of that the last three years. A yeah. Lot. So that that's that's what I'm seeing. Because even though you have a pretty face and a pretty smile, the thing that I'm been trained to do, uh, just from observation, right? I observe so many people is that I can see even if a person's smiling and such, I can see if they're sad. And there's some sadness there. So I say that's the biggest thing. That's ah, that is impressive. Um, I, geez, I, we could do this another hour. Uh, I, I know we can't. Did, we, Chris, yeah. that means you got to come back. Yeah, sure. This was so you much fun. Yeah, 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 for sure. Like can can we things? finish though? But we got a couple minutes. Can we finish yeah. on the actual uh, pictures? Just let them go through a couple. Okay, we can go through. Uh, okay, we'll go through one because I really want to post about this one, and I want to because we on Twitter. If anybody's on Twitter. If you hashtag sister wives, like this will get a thousand views on Twitter or more. Let's facial reading of Cody Brown from Sister Wives. I don't know if you know who he is, Chris, or not, but this is a, a reality TV show that's absolutely popular. Um, they come from a polygamy background. He has several wives. There's been a lot of drama this season, and I'll, that's all I'm going to tell you. Okay, so first and foremost is that he has what we call his peacock eyes, which means he reacts emotionally. We could tell by the intercanthus of his eye that he has a very sharp tongue, which means that um, once he gets to know you, he will purposely use words to hurt you. Um, he is generous, though. Like, he is generous with his energy as far as um, the size of his mouth, you know. Um, he's not selfish in that term, but... Um, uh, he's had a loss also. His main thing, though, is that he can be very, very stubborn. Uh, controlling is also very controlling and also um, uh, has a tendency towards uh, anger issues as well. Other positive traits also would be that he, lis he listens well. Um, seems like he also has more of his father's input. And you see that little red bark on his face uh, underneath, right. his, underneath his lip? Okay, unless he got cut by, by something, if that's some kind of breakout that he's happening... That further supports the fact that he has anger issues because the liver controls that and skin breakouts like that, whether they're lesions or whatever, um, go, go back to stress and this old anger resentment affecting the liver. Mm -hmm. Rick, you saw the pictures before. Is there anyone that you want me to bring up real quick too? And then we'll get to his website. Definitely number two, your second one. Yes. Oh, wow. Brian Koberger. 
His mm. nose is what comes out. Idaho four. Yeah, so he's what we call a metal type. Um, so uh, he's not going to show his emotions. Uh, you know, he's going to be very stonewall because the metal controls the lungs. And you think the lungs, because um, they're also responsible for your immune system, um, is like this shield or the shielding effect. And so um, he has kind of a crooked mouth. He's dishonest. Um, I don't know who this guy is. I, I, I see the Idaho four, but we'll get into who this guy is. Anyways, um, he listens only to what he wants to hear. So, okay. you know, you could tell him something about himself, but he only is going to listen to what he wants to hear. And he's stuck in his head a lot. And the way to approach him too is, is about how practical, um, he is. And is, um, also too the father, uh, played a role, you know, and I wonder if he ever had some kind of substance abuse problem just because, of the indentations in his temples there. So he did. Oh, he did. See, yeah. See those heroin. Well, oh, you, you see those indentations in his temples mm -hmm. that shows addiction. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you tell when it goes, when it goes in. Yeah. Like yeah. how his head. Yeah. See how that goes in. And okay. sometimes it'll be discolored also. In fact, you know, around the eyes itself, you could actually tell if somebody has a propensity to cheat a lot because they'll have like uh, birthmarks and stuff or moles around their eyes. So he has a distinctive nose, though. Anything that you could tell us about his nose? Yeah. So, he, well, he does, um, you know, uh, um, he, he has what they call a nose for news. Um, and also his stamina, uh, you know, he has pretty good stamina as well, too. But, um, but there's, a, there's a discord really between his internal self and his external self. That's a lot of sense. Wow. Makes a lot of sense. This is, this is you know, this is really good for dating. Oh, hold on. That was going to be like, okay, I'm a single lady. We, we, but have, we, don't, we have five minutes. We do. We can go five minutes over here. The next show starts at 8.15. But like, what are some red flags that us single women or even men need to look for in, in people nowadays? Because we use a lot of digital or apps like tinder bumble all those things uh grinder to to find people to date mm -hmm. and he he was on tinder too so oh he was okay yes so what's some real quick maybe one or two red flags and then we'll talk about your website and classes okay and um like when the lips are closed mm -hmm. if that line is crooked or wavy where the lips meet that means mm -hmm. that the person has pretends to, uh, uh, um, tends to lie or extend the truth um, that's number one. Number two, if you ever see anybody with, and they're on their phone and their mouth is always open like this, that means you can't tell them any secrets because all those <laughs> secrets will fall out of their mouth. Number three is how you deal with people's anger and rage. The stronger the brow bone is, I mean, there's other features that make it softer, the stronger the brow bone is, the stronger the eyebrows are, tends to mean more controlling that the person is and the more anger that the person has. Wow. You know what? From me being in Kentucky, if they don't show their teeth on Tinder, I don't, I don't swipe. Well, okay. okay. <laughs> right. That's okay. A good thing. No, it's good because you know what? If you see somebody with a gummy smile, that tends to mean that they're selfish. Oh, no. That runs in my family. <laughs> I'm not selfish though. Probably. Maybe a little bit. I don't know. Not that um, I, I, oh God, I just, I have so many questions. Like we have to have I know, you back. Chris, we got to have you back. And, and yeah. I, I have your website. I have social media. I have your YouTube in our description mm -hmm. here and, and going up uh, on the screen. It's going to be on the radio uh, to okay. description, but real quick, tell people what you offer off your website and things. People can have classes. You do online groups. 
Yeah, so if you're interested, go to sheltonqigong.com. What I'd ask for you to do, there's a free five-element questionnaire quiz on there. The importance of that is, number one, it tells us what your personality is, but it tells us when you're out of, out of alignment with your personality, the diseases that could show up. That's the important thing. Uh, to remedy that situation, we have something called the Chi Club. Go to the chiclub.com. You go and it's a live class on Zoom. We have people from around the world from 8 to 8.30 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. And you have the recordings for up to a week. So if you can't uh, meet us live, at least you get to have the recordings. This way you start to empower. Get my book, Qigong for Self-Refinement, Total Health of the Five Elements. That corresponds with the uh, Chris Shelton uh, uh, Qigong YouTube page and, um, and with the 30 Days of Qigong. And also if you're interested too in becoming a teacher or if you just want to dive deeper into your body, uh, we have a Qigong teacher training program. Level one is 13 weeks. Thank you. Thank you, Chris, so much for coming on and teaching us a lot of things here that I've never learned before. We appreciate you. We're going to let you go and then we'll close out the show and then I'll send you a message here in a few minutes. But thank you so much for being part of the club. Chris, thank you so much, man. This was a lot of fun. So informative. I can't wait to talk to you again, like really soon. Yeah, me too. All right, you guys be blessed. Take care. Bye. Wow, Qigong. I, qi, like, yeah. I'm so I've learned a lot tonight, and I need to look more into some maybe doing some kind of like moves or something in the next few weeks. I'm looking at my notes, and I didn't get to the, the second half of them. Um, always, one thing I yeah. want to talk to him specifically imagine, uh, like the FBI looking for using um, facial record, like facial to bringing him in for profiling you know hey this guy has oh a yeah facial, facial profiling well that's what i want to know does serial killers all have the same facial features like is there it. patterns to these people is there patterns exactly. to narcissism like do people that are are narcissistic abusers do they have the same patterns that other other people have Look, so, there's only one answer and that's i we need him back for sure that's, uh we're i'm going to schedule him i'm going to message him here soon after this we go but next week we're going to be live here again next friday at 7 p.m eastern standard time with ignacio esteban we're going to be talking about gangland undercover agent atf i'm ready been ready Mex yeah. mexican gangs He's open very borders He's got some stories to tell, and I'm super excited. So thank you, everybody, for tuning in. we got to cut this out now. We love you all. Thank you for tuning in for 107.7 FM New Orleans. Thanks, and guys. What the Frick Live. We'll see you next Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Have a wonderful weekend. Bye, guys.